God, I'm so fucking drunk. Oh, uh, shoot, we're recording. Uh, you're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between, a production of TheMetalRobot.com, created and hosted by Tom McKay. Nailed it, yes! Um, okay, so as you can probably tell, this is going to be a bit of a different podcast, per se. Like, we just caught back with this podcast. I'm finally getting uh, it started up in a new place. And I've got a couple topics listed down that I want to talk about. So whether or not we should replace band members, uh, weirdest interview questions that I've come across that you could probably use for your interviews. Um, also giving the middle finger to the Spotify CEO in a bit, as well as talking about whether it, why we shouldn't be copying the past. I have at least the topics written down uh, for the, in front of me right now, but I don't have any plan of how to navigate those. So enjoy this entire probably less than an hour long podcast rambling about random topics, but I hope you do at least take something from this uh, without, and hopefully be entertained by this too. So without further ado, let's get into it. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. There's a lot of things that I know about a lot of people in metal when it comes to bands and people like that, uh, with, with everything to do with like the music and the artists. People do not like change whatsoever. Like, I've learned that quite a bit uh, when it comes to, like, anything. Like, uh, music style changes, uh, or even, in this case, band member replacement. A lot of people do not like it when band members get replaced. Now, of course, if you're replacing someone who wasn't really a big deal to begin with, well, not too many people are going to care about that, so you'll be fine to do so. Who gives a shit? But it seems that a lot of people do tend to care when a big member of the band leaves or gets fired and is replaced. And so I kind of want to ask the question, like, should we actually be replacing band members? Because it seems like the, like, the answer should be that we should be able to do so, right? Like, band members should be able to be replaced if they leave or get fired. Because otherwise, that's how a band can die, right? But it seems that the general consensus amongst many metalheads is that, well, at least in terms of reactions, is that no, we shouldn't be. But why is that? Why is that the case? Like, why should we not be replacing band members? Well, I can see why people would definitely think that's a bad idea to do so. It's mostly just because of, like, their attachment to the previous band members. At least that's what I'm able to, to, to surmise from this. And I understand why. Because once you, like, there are plenty of people out there who, you know, they're okay with change, they're accepting of change, but when you really get down to it, when you get to the core of the issue, people do not like change whatsoever. And again, if the member who was being replaced was a sole part of the band, or at least like a big, huge part of the band, people get pissed. People don't like that. Because all of a sudden, like, a big portion of the band is gone and replaced with some random whack job that no one knows. Like there are still people trying to get over the fact that Jesse Leach is the, the current vocalist for Killswitch Engage and not Howard Jones. Like it's been years since that switch happened, but you know, then there are, of course there are people over time, they are getting uh, used to it. And I'll get into that in a little bit uh, as well, but people are still kind of, you know, they're not feeling Jesse Leach yet. Because they're so used to Howard Jones. They're so used to hearing his screams and growls. They're so used to hearing his operatic cleans. And I totally get why. 
I mean, I've listened to a lot of the Howard Jones era Kill Switch Engage myself, and yeah, it's definitely, it's pretty good, actually. Like, it's, in many ways, the cleans, I prefer Howard Jones's cleans over Jesse Leach's. I don't prefer Howard Jones's growls and screams, mind, but those cleans, man, oof, oh, sends chills down my spine. It's beautiful stuff. It's beautiful. Oh, it's like listening to an angel. An angel backed by demonic music. It's great. <laughs> uh, but but no, like like I said, I do understand like why people do not particularly like Jesse Leach, even though, you know, I should probably remind people he was the first guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I do understand, you know, change is hard to get past in that case. Like people do not like change whatsoever for for a specific reason that like I, I, th I think I already go into this, but you're from it's familiarity. Right. Like when something changes, you do not like it automatically. Like something has fundamentally changed. You're going into an unknown era. And you were totally comfortable with where you were before. Right. Like I'm guess like I'm pretty sure that's what most people feel when they when change happens. You are getting shifted into a different into a different timeline, a different world where things are somewhat familiar, but they are so very much different. And for that specific reason, like you can see why people would not want to replace band members. Like uh, I'll give you another, I'll give you another example of one that I personally am not happy with myself. Fallujah, um, after their album Dreamless, like in, back in uh, twenty, was it sixteen, twenty seventeen? I think it was twenty sixteen when that came out. When like Dreamless came out, that album for me was amazing. It it ended up on like uh, number two of my best of the year list. And for good reason, that was a great fucking atmospheric death metal record. It was fantastic. The next record that came out, that came out on the other hand, uh, that was, this was like, um, when was it? This was like 2018, I think, 2019. I can't remember exactly when that happened, when that next album came out. It was with a different vocalist. And all of a sudden, it just sounded off to me. Has anyone else, uh, if, if you're listening right now, if you've heard the difference between Dreamless and the new record, I can't remember what it's called. Have you noticed the difference yourself? Like, have you noticed, like, all of a sudden something fundamentally is wrong with that new record? And for me, for me at the very least, it was because it was very much a de huge departure from the last record. Like, Dreamless, again, was atmospheric death metal. It was heavy. It was uh, hard-hitting. It was thrashing. It was fast paced, but it was also it took its time with its atmospheric moments. It took the time to space out into a void. It was kind of it was kind of one of those albums that you could turn on and it could be a sleep aid in a good way, of course, of course. With the next one, though, it felt like they just kind of back backpedaled to like a sort of just straight metalcore record, but with a lot of reverb on everything. <laughs> Like that was weird for me, right? Like it was it must have been weird for other people too, right? I can't be the only one who thought that the whole thing was weird. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just kind of like I hear that and it's a bit of a different thing. But you know what? That when we get down to it, my reaction to that is also kind of goes into my next point and that is that sometimes a new member doesn't always bring a lot of good. Like in the case of Fallujah, the next record was a huge step down with the new vocalist. 
So in a way, a new member can create an actual change. It doesn't always happen. Like uh, with Killswitch Engage, I still don't, I still personally don't believe that there was a fundamental difference. The only difference that there was, was the new vocalist. But other than that, it's still great Killswitch Engage. That's about it. Like it's, they were still like top of the line. Like they were still heavy as shit. They were still like catchy as well. Like Killswitch Engage, Killswitch Engage aside from the vocalist, never really changed. With Fallujah, though, it felt like a complete stylistic change with the new member, uh, with the new vocalist. And that's and that, for me, that threw me personally off. I feel like it threw other people off as well. It just did not. It just did not work. So, like, I guess I can understand why people would not want members to change. But the reason I'm still going to say that members do should be able to be replaced is because if you don't replace a member, you can run the risk of killing the band. And that is a bad idea, right? Like, sure, maybe a fan uh, or two or thousand will probably be like, you know what? The band's dead for me. News member sucks, yada, yada, yada. But realistically, like that, those fans will go somewhere else. But there are still fans kicking around wanting to see what happens next. There are still people around wanting to know, like, OK, new member came in. What's going to happen, right? What's going to what's going to uh, be a part of this new style? What's going to be brought to the table? People are curious deep down. I mean, I know I've been saying this entire time that people don't like change, but there are quite a few people who really want change in some kind of way. I mean, unless you're an Opeth fan, in that case, change is you don't want change whatsoever, apparently. Um, but at this point, speaking from an Opeth fan, trust me, I know who you are. Uh, but but at the end of the day, like, yeah, some people will be okay with change. Others will not be. But at the end of the day, like the fact that there are still people who are going to be like, you know what? I want to see what's going to happen. I want to, I want to know what's going to happen with these guys. I want to see where this goes. That keeps a band alive. If you stop the band altogether because you can't replace a member because otherwise the public will decimate you. That is, that's a horrible mentality to have. You don't want to stop a band because of fan possible fan outrage because you're one band member got accused of sexual misconduct with a bunch of minors like gross first of all gross and second homewrecker and third <laughs> like it, that's not something you want to do like unless the the band name itself like the name itself has been tainted by like uh, a like a bad experience with a with a member then only then i can see why you'd want to step down and just stop everything altogether try something different but unless, but like, if there's no real bad blood with other people and people don't look at your name and go, yeah, I probably shouldn't, shouldn't be supporting that anymore, then you could probably keep going. I mean, don't do what Azalea Dying did. They brought their, vo not only did the vocalists get out of jail early, in my opinion, but they formed back when the stigma is still attached to that vocalist. You can never get away from that. I personally can't listen to an Azalea Dying record anymore without feeling sick to my fucking stomach. I know the, 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 that the philosophy of, or not the philosophy, the, the thought of, you know, separate the artist from the music. I fully support that. That's why I love Guns N' Roses. But with Azalea dying in terms like this, like it was, for me at least, it's impossible to really get behind. I can't listen to an Azalea dying record and feel like I'm doing good because I know deep down how that lead vocalist's ex-wife feels and how she probably feels in all this. 
I mean, I can't assume to know how she feels, but I feel like it's a pretty good guess, honestly, when you really get down to it. I feel like it's a good guess of to, as to what it might possibly be, uh, how she might feel. So, look, at the end of the day, I can only say that band members, they should be replaced if they have to be. Like, if a member leaves and you're, you know, your band name isn't associated with pedophilia, then, yeah, bring a new member on. Absolutely. 100%. And I feel like you should definitely do that. Hold tryouts. Get someone that feels right for you. Will it bring change or do the same thing? I don't know. That's for you to decide. But at the end of the day, you can't let a bunch of people who can't let go of the past bring you, bring you down and keep you from being better than you were before. Because who knows? I mean, you might end up losing your Jesse Leach, but Howard Jones will come in and will probably make your, uh, make your band much better than it was before. This episode of the Metal Robot Podcast was remastered as of May 2021 to ensure great sound quality for your enjoyment. I mean, I could have left it the same, but who can say they can rewrite someone's history out of nowhere and hope nobody notices? Of course, if this part is being added in, then it's definitely going to be noticed. Huh. Anyways, if you're enjoying the podcast, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on YouTube, so that any future episodes will appear right in your feed. Or don't. You know, I'm not your mom, so I can't tell you what to do. So you can just do whatever you want. Enjoy. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. So believe it or not, like I've actually enjoyed doing a lot of the interviews I've done. Uh, I've, if you've paid attention to the channel at all, I've done, I've done quite a few interviews with quite a few people. Uh, first one ever was with a band called Pterodactyl Problems. Great people, by the way. Fantastic music as well. Um, highly recommend if you haven't checked them out. Pterodactyl Problems, great stuff. And great people to talk to as well. And I've also interviewed uh, also bigger names like Lindsay Schoolcraft, Sunfire TV on Twitch, who's getting a lot of traction nowadays. Seriously, good job. Um, and it, through all this, uh, all this, all the talking with other people and getting to know people in the industry, all of a sudden, you know, especially what, as I started releasing my own music at the same time, people are starting to come knocking on my door. Like, not always, but a few people want to talk to me about my stuff. Like at first it was uh, it was Curtis Dewar, who was a PR guy I've been working with for quite a while. He, he interviewed me on his podcast with with Matt Bacon, uh, or as I call or as everyone calls him, Bacon Bits. <laughs> cool guys, cool guys. But recently also other people have been wanting to to get a piece of like, what is Tom about? What is Metal Robot about? Or just ask me stupid questions. Um, and frankly, like it's great to have that, actually. I really I don't know what it is, but getting asked about and this is, honestly, actually, no, I do know what it is, because this is something that I learned myself when going to college. Whether you want to be considered an egotist or not, whether you consider it egotistical, people always love to talk about themselves, whether they, you know, want to or not, or they or maybe they look down on themselves. Deep down, people always want to talk about themselves. There's a sort of ego to the human being. I've always frowned upon people who have like massive egos, but really when you get down to it, everybody has an ego. It's just a, a matter of like who keeps it in control and who keeps it, you know, on the down low and who doesn't let it inflate too much. Um, so like you get stuff like that and yeah, people want to talk about themselves. So when people come my way and they're like, Hey, I want to ask, here's a few questions for you. I want to ask you some questions. I want to talk to you about this and this and this. So I'm like, Oh yeah, man. Hell yeah. And 
in the process, I've gotten uh, quite a few interesting questions, <laughs> to say the least. My personal favorite, all the some some of the weirder questions, uh, but from the bottom from the bottom up, I I have to say some of the best questions have been from brutal, from brutally delicious as well as uh, glacially musical. I believe they're called. Like I like I just uh, I just recorded uh, some stuff for them recently, and it was a lot of fun to uh, to to record those interviews for brutally delicious. I recorded the interview for them and uh and uh, it was a lot of fun questions uh i, d- I did I, once in once i got the new setup uh set up i finally was able to like yeah let's uh let's get these recorded let's get these these uh thrown up let's get these questions answered as fast as possible as soon as possible they were some weird questions if you didn't know i'm, I'm kind of rambling here but the series is called outlandish so it's a, a questionnaire series that uh brutally delicious will ask the people of brutally delicious will send to music artists or other people in the metal community. And they're just a bunch of random questions, nothing to do with their music career or anything of the sort, or, or if you're in my case, your YouTube show or anything like that. No, it's just weird fucking questions um, and fun questions to, to have. So, um, and again, like brutally delicious, personally, my favorite uh, for glacially musical. It was a bunch of food questions, which I guess makes sense. Glacially musical. I'm guessing that means like donut glaze or something. I can only assume it's donut glaze, in which case more power to you. Uh, you may not like glacially musical. If you're listening to this, you may not have Tim Hortons where you are, but Tim Hortons is the shit. Seriously, get a donut there. Chocolate glaze, man. Chocolate glaze is my personal favorite. Um, get like your Tim Hortons is not in St. Louis, but man, come up to Canada. It's great. You will not get a good chocolate glaze from Dunkin Donuts. Give me a fucking break on that one. Uh, but again, like brutally delicious. I got to go back to that one because a lot of the questions <laughs> I, I got to I got to share some of these with you because they were great questions. But I'm just like I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, where are these questions coming from? Uh, so like some of my favorites, um, like, OK, I'll give you this one because this one was a great question to answer. Would you rather eat a stick of butter or snort a tablespoon of salt? Again, great questions. And if you can come up with an answer to that question and any of the other questions I'm about to, 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 to ask you, tweet it to me at the metal robot. I want to know what your responses are. So uh, this first one, would you rather eat a stick of butter or snort a tablespoon of salt? That was such a weird question. I didn't know how to respond other than like, snort a tablespoon of salt that would probably burn your nose wouldn't it i feel like that would be really bad for your nose uh and everything else in general so of course i had to go for for a stick of butter but again i want to know what what you think about that um and a bunch of other questions like some of them are some of the questions for brutally delicious were great and uh you know what i'm gonna do for uh, the podcast i'm gonna leak i'm gonna link the video that came out with me answering these questions I'm going to link that in the podcast show notes. If you can see it, uh, then definitely check it out or just search up Brutally Delicious on YouTube and you can find it there. But I seriously want to know what your answers to these questions would have been because my answers were all pretty much jokes. They were serious answers, of course. Like I was mostly like, you know, I was being serious for the most part, but I was just trying to get a good laugh whenever I was doing it. I mean, these questions are pretty much trying to get a good laugh. So what can you do from there? Uh, but again, like, it's weird questions like that that just make me chuckle. It makes me want to do interview questions. Uh, and, and well, not just interview questions, like come up with new questions for all, not only for my interviews, but also 
answer questions for interviews because they're a lot of fun, actually. And I know like a lot of people don't like getting put on the spot, like for job interviews. It's always it's always a bad time to get into a job interview because you're always you're constantly under under the stress of will I get the job? Will they like me? Did I forget forget to brush my teeth this morning? Am I still wearing my Slayer shirt? Oh, my God. Uh, Like the stress is on. It's on. But with interviews like this, like, fuck. There's a reason why for my personal interviews, like whenever I do interviews, I would usually like to start with uh, an icebreaker question. Like for Lindsay Schoolcraft and pterodactyl problems, I think they're the only ones I actually uh, uh, really did the open with the with the if you could be any cereal box character question, because a question like that, it kind of puts you at ease. Like, it's not a question you would expect from from like from like an interview with a music artist. Like you would want to know, like, okay, what does the album mean for you? How long did the album take? What's what are some experiences you had? Now, nah, fuck it. What cereal box character would you be? Lucky Charms? Fuck yeah, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, like, yeah, like you got for me at the very least. I learned one thing, and that's you want to put people at ease because they will not be able to give great answers if they're just you know being grilled like their interrogation. That's what a job interview feels like for me at least. You want to put them at ease. So start with a good, a good, stupid question. Like what's your favorite animal sound? Stuff like that. Or, or you know what? My personal favorite actually from the, from the brutally delicious. I so want to ask this to someone at some point while you are sitting in quarantine or lockdown, a penguin walks through the door wearing a sombrero. What does he say? And why is he here? Like stupid questions like that. They make no fucking sense, but you've got to admire the creativity there. It, that's a question like as I was reading it for the camera, like you didn't end up seeing me reading that question, but I was sitting there trying, trying to read the fucking question. And I, I could barely get through it with a straight face. It was such a stupid fucking question. But for a, que- for a question like that, it'd be a great way to start an interview. Because it's so weird. It's so out of left field. Like, if you were asked this in a job interview, would you at all see that coming? It's a great, it's a great way to let your guard down and just sit, relax. Because that's a, good, that's a pretty good question. It's a weird question. And that's why I love weird questions. Uh, it's like, because again, you, you get a question like that and you're put at ease pretty quickly. Which, again, that's why I like asking people I interview the cereal box question. Because you're going to, because more or less, you're going to get put at ease. Now, of course, you might be thinking, well, hold on, Tom. What if you get the same person come back for an interview? Like, say, for example, if you were to get, uh, I don't know, Lindsay Schoolcraft back for an interview. What question would you ask her then? Because you can't ask her the cereal box question. She already answered that. What would you ask her? And that's a good question. Uh, I would probably end up going for like weird questions and trying to find a way, find a question that would, you know, not only be a good start conversation starter, but also just something that would uh, just be a great question to see the reaction to. Because, yeah, that would be pretty funny, actually. (laughs) If you have a suggestion for any topics you want me and or someone else to talk about, send me a tweet at the metal robot and let me know. I'm sure I'll know absolutely nothing about the topic, but we'll give it the old college try and talk about it anyways. When you do so, be sure to use the hashtag metal robot podcast so I can find you. 
You can also do the same on Facebook or on the Metal Robot Discord server. Links are in the show notes. Anyways, let's shit on Spotify. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. There's a reason that I love and hate Spotify and streaming platforms. I love them for the fact that it can make my job as a critic a lot easier than just having to buy all the music that I have to review. Because that's how I started out uh, on Metal Robot Reviews, keep in mind. Back when I started out, all the music that I reviewed, I bought. Right, because I felt like if I wasn't buying it, well, then I wasn't really supporting the artist. And that's kind of a mentality that uh, still sticks with me today. That's why, you know, if I really like, uh, if I really like an album, I will buy it either from iTunes or if, or I will go to the website and probably buy a CD or buy merch. Because again, if I really like what I'm hearing from a band, I want to support them. As a metalhead and as someone who's getting into music now, like I would want, like I would want people who really liked what I did to go out of the way and be like, you know what? I'll look what this guy's doing. I'll support them. I'll share it. I'll share the link out. I'll buy the album. I'll buy the, the song. Maybe even buy merch if he starts selling it at some point. I will get to that at some point if you want it. Trust me. Um, but it's also like, <clears throat> at the same time, as a critic, like it became a problem for my money because I was buying every single album I wanted to review and... Most of those albums, I didn't, and I didn't, I never ended up reviewing. So it was costing me quite a bit of money just to do YouTube. Eventually, I ended up just going for Apple Music or uh, Spotify, whichever one would work. Uh, mostly Apple Music for me because that way I can download uh, some of the some of the albums for review, and uh, that way I don't have to search for it later. And if I liked it, then I'll buy it, or I'll I'll do something to uh, whatever I can to support the artist. And if I didn't like it, delete off my freaking music library immediately. Um, <clears throat> I was going somewhere with this, wasn't I? Yeah. So, but my, the reason why I hate stu- uh, streaming services like Spotify is because of the fact that, and this is going back to where I was talking about before, like if I really like something that I downloaded, I will buy it, I will buy it or I will buy something from them. That's because streaming platforms, especially Spotify, are greedy fuckers. They are. They truly are. And any musician out there will tell you that, you know, uh, except for the ones who, you know, are big enough that, you know, small royalty uh, rates on Spotify, they don't matter. Like, you know, uh, if you're like, say, fucking Metallica, no shit, the Spotify rating is not going to fucking matter because you've got other shit you're doing. Like you've got uh, not only on Spotify, but you're actually selling music. You're selling you're selling out fucking stadiums. You're, you've got brand deals. You've got all this shit. Like, if someone was to live off of Spotify alone, like, there was a study a while ago that to just live above the U.S. poverty line, which uh, is 12,000 American, you need at least 3 million streams a month just to get by. So, poverty line, 12,000 a year? You would need... 3 million a year, I believe, or I think it was a month. It was a month, I'm pretty sure. 3 million a month or a year. Either way, that's a lot. That's a lot of streams. Like, that is a lot of streams just to get by, just to barely scrape by. That is ridiculous. Like, that is absolutely horrendous. Because I personally, as a musician, I wouldn't want to have 
my streaming, like my music, the music I put my blood, sweat, and tears into to be put up on Spotify. And I make back almost nothing. Meanwhile, Spotify gets back a lot more. Like, it's ridiculous to think that, uh, that Spotify would be profiting off of music they didn't even fucking work on. And that is the gripe a lot of musicians have. Now, uh, the reason why I'm talking about this right now is because um, the CEO of Spotify, Daniel Ek, or as I'm calling him, Ek, because that's pretty much all I can think about when I say his name, Ek, he decided when he was on a podcast to talk about how it's not really his fault and he decides to uh, just basically say that, no, 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 that's not how this works at all. No, no. Like, you can't record music every three or four years and think that's enough. You've got to do it all the time. And I guess that kind of, that kind of would make sense, but it's also like, no, you shouldn't have to, that shouldn't be the problem. That's not the problem. And this is, and, I, and like, when you get down to it, Daniel Eck is a fucking idiot. I'll tell you why. As someone who writes music, and anyone who writes music will tell you, you can't write music fast enough to get it up on Spotify so that you can live above the, pot- the poverty line. That's not how it fucking works. You can't, you can't write that fast. For me, like, uh, for a song like, say, Rain of Fire that came out recently, that song was, had to be written in full over the course of two months. And that was just one song. Can, can you imagine an album or an EP? That would take longer. And I'm not even just talking about, like, say, like a Dream Theater record. It could be something as basic as a death metal record or uh, a standard thrash metal record. Those take a long time of writing, recording, mixing, and mastering, and promoting. Like, there's so much time that goes into it. Some of it usually does take three or four years to do. And even then, like, even if, that, that's a, even if that's not the case, two years would be something that would probably be a bit, a bit more realistic. One year if you're periphery most of the time. But that's not realistic enough. Because even if, uh, like, one year is still not going to get anything. That's, like, at the bare minimum of, like, how much you could possibly do, how much time you could possibly take to write, record, mix, and master an album without rushing. That's the key thing. That's why many people don't make albums every, every month or so, because that would probably not drain your, drain your creativity pretty quickly because you'd be getting to that bottom of the barrel very, very fast. But you're also going to be rushing ideas. Any idea at that point will sound good. Like, is this an idea for a song? I don't know. Maybe let's try it. Like, yeah, in a way, the way I'm saying it, it could spark creativity of some kind, but all it's going to do is cause many other people to rush because not all ideas can be fleshed out if you're having to be on that constant grind. So to Daniel Eck, you're a fucking idiot if you think that's actually going to be the case. And I agree with them. You know, music every three or four years, it's not going to be enough. But I I gotta ask you this, Daniel. Do you really think it's the frequency of music being released? Or do you think it's because the royalty rate 
is less than a fucking penny. And do you think it's because of that that the U.S. poverty line, to get to just right at that point, you need to be at least a third of Metallica to get to that point. Do you think that's possibly the problem here? And not the fact that people aren't releasing, aren't releasing a new album every week or every month? Because I personally think that's not, that the, re- the frequency is not the issue. The, f- the issue that many musicians have is that your company is profiting off of work that's not even fucking yours. Like, that's ridiculous. And I do love, the, I do love that he tried to, to say that, uh, that, pe- that, you know, there's never really been people complaining about this. That he's never heard any complaints about this. I could name plenty of people who have had many complaints, even bigger name bands and artists who have complained about the Spotify ratings, calling Spotify basically thieves and crooks, De- calling Daniel Eck a thief and crook. I was... I had something a bit more creative there. I forgot what it was. But you get my point, right? Like, you understand what I'm talking about here. Daniel, Daniel, ick, is lying, or he's oblivious to the issue. Maybe because he himself has never made music in his life, but instead decided, I'm going to profit off of artists. Much like a record label would do, right? That's how they make a lot of money. You know, they do all the hard work, I can be I can do the easy shit and just put up put up an app. Let the millions rain in. Let the billions rain in from marketing and for and from advertisements. That's all you gotta do to be big in music nowadays. Have zero talent, maybe a bit of skills in business, and no moral compass whatsoever. So all I gotta say here is Daniel Ich, from my heart to yours. Go fuck yourself. Just a friendly reminder that this episode of the Metal Robot Podcast was remastered as of May 2021 to ensure great sound quality for your enjoyment. Again, I could have just left it be, but why would I want to do that? <laughs> Anyways, once again, if you want to hear more episodes of the Metal Robot Podcast, be sure to subscribe to the Metal Robot Podcast wherever you get your podcasts so that more episodes will appear right in your feed. And I hope you will subscribe because apparently the next topic is uh, going to get me in a lot of shit. Enjoy! You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Stop copying the past. Oh, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much shit from a lot of metalheads for this one, and I can't fucking wait. <laughs> so I'm sure you've heard, if you've been an avid listener of the podcast thus far, you probably know that I've never really been the biggest defender of thrash metal, deathcore, death metal, uh, basically any genre that has a tendency to not let go of the past in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I guess you could say that's a big criticism of the music industry in general, but from what I've been able to experience as a critic and as a music listener, thrash metal, death metal, death core mostly, they have a tendency to repeat the same motif, repeat the same the same style of music. And for what reason? I don't know why that is. I can never understand for the life of me why that can be. I don't know, possibly unoriginality? That's all I can think about. 
And I know there's plenty of people who'd be like, Tom, you need to explain what the fuck you're talking about right now before I spam blast your DMs right fucking now. So I get that. I get it. I know. I know. I understand what uh, like what your concern might be. But let me explain. I'm not talking about like uh, the idea of like building off of an idea from a previous artist, from someone who was around for a while. It started off a long time ago and just bringing up new mode, bringing up, uh, bringing those styles into new ideas. No, no, no. That's because that's not copying at all. That's just taking influence. I'm talking about the bands who will write music, write their music, but have no real identity to it. Again, what do I mean? Well, I'll give you an example. So back when I was starting out, back in 2016, I believe it was, yeah, 2016, uh, the first year I was doing Metal Robot reviews, I reviewed an album by a band called Napalm Death. Um, and their, their EP, it was an EP that just came out, around, that came out like a few months before. They requested I talk about it, so I talked about it, and I wasn't really fond of it, but it's not for, but not for the reason to talk about here. That was for a bunch of different reasons. But one of the big things I took away from that, as and it was kind of a one-off joke, but it really rang true for a lot of albums past that. And that is that a lot of thrash metal bands, uh, specifically for this point, have the same problem of they don't know how to create their own unique sound. Napalm Death, I kept comparing to Slayer, to Anthrax, to Test... Like, I, I can easily compare it to Testament, even. Like, they were so unoriginal that you could slot their music in with anybody, with anybody of the Big Four or anybody from the 80s era of thrash metal. You couldn't tell the fucking difference. And I know some people were like, oh, you were compared to Slayer, that's awesome! No! No, it's not! The fact that I have to compare you to Slayer and say you're practically the same thing is not good. Because, yeah, okay, I understand why you might think that's good. Okay, I really do. It's because, in a way, that's a compliment. You know, Slayer is a big-name band, and they're great. They're fantastic. They're on, like, the best uh, the best metal bands of, uh, like, on the list of many people's favorite metal bands. They're one of my personal favorite of the big four, so I understand that. But when I'm saying that you sound a lot like Slayer, I don't mean that as a good thing. Because what I'm essentially saying there, and I'll pass this off to other musicians who might be listening to you right now. If I am listening to your EP, song, album, and I'm immediately making comparisons like this sounds exactly or a lot like so-and-so, that's not a good thing. That's really not a good thing. That's called mediocrity. I had the same criticism, more or less, with uh, recently, actually in recent days, Dragged Under, which uh, that's going to be featured in the extended review from the 10 Second Purge quarter one of 2020. But basically, long story short, Dragged Under, they started off as a Restropose, great band, did not really break a new ground, but they had their own identity. Dragged Under is just a new hardcore project, nothing else. They didn't really have, it wasn't bad, but they had no real identity to them. There was nothing unique about their sound. And for me, that was something that I w could not stop listening to and was like, this should not be the case. Restaurant Pose going, dr going to Dragged Under and copying other people? Like this, that is sad. It's pathetic even. Like I'm listening to this, I'm like, these guys should know better than to just be monotonous in someone else. 
There was nothing unique about Dragged Under, so I had a problem with that. Again, not bad by any means. Not by any means, but I, could, I couldn't help but think that they could have done so much better. And for me, that's a lot of the problems I have with a lot of thrash metal bands. And I know people are going to, you know, they're going to give me shit for that because, you know, a lot of those bands that uh, do that, they're, they like it because it's a good local scene and they're trying to do their own thing. But that's my phone. Don't worry about it. When it. But when you get down to it, I could not for the life of me support that kind of mentality. For me, I've always been the kind of person who would prefer and want to be unique to be different from everybody else from any, like even if you're taking tropes from other people and you're kind of doing something similar that's been done before put your own spin on it make it your own give yourself your own identity do not be the faceless act and unfortunately a lot of the thrash metal bands out there thrash metal bands death metal bands oh my god death metal bands deathcore oh my god Deathcore recently, I have the Destroyer I reviewed. I could not tear the, I could not tell them apart from anybody else. My uh, review of Whitechapel's Mark of the Blade summarized everything that I could have said about I have the Destroyer. Like if I if that ends up happening with a critic, you at that point you gotta really think about it for a second and think about like, are you really putting yourself into the music, or are you just creating what you think people want to hear? And if you're thinking if you think you're gonna create something that people want to hear, no 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 no, don't do that. That's bad. That's bad, and it, 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 it detaches you from the art, okay? And that's, I can only assume that's what you want to get into this for, right? Because let's face it, no one gets into the metal music for the money. Let's be real here. If that was the case, I would have gotten in when I was 15, man. Like, shit. <laughs> that would have been a good avenue to go to, but... But no, like, with metal, no one's getting in for the money, so what's the point of, like, copying the big-name bands? Especially seeing as the big, like the styles you're copying, you're not going to get big off of those. Thrash metal, death metal, you might get a few, a bit local buzz, but you're not going to get big off of that. So what's the point? Could also, and again, like going back to before, like I said, unoriginality. Well, that's the only explanation I've got. Because if you can't put your own heart and soul into music, you're not trying to be original. You're just trying to make songs fast, get them out, get, get them onto the album. Let's go, let's go. I don't, have, I don't have time to care. Just get it on the album. Get it on the album. What's that? It sounds like rain and blood. That's okay. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's all good. It's fine. And that sucks, right? Like, I can't be the only one who thinks it's a bad thing. And again, like, when, when a band does this, I, the music isn't usually bad. Most of the artists, uh, the, the bands who do this, they're not incompetent. Like, oh, God, there are plenty of bands who I've heard that have tried copying the past and sucked badly. Like, whole, holy shit, they were bad. I would have rather stabbed my ears out than listen to that attempt at being Lamb of God. Ugh. Long story. But nonetheless, like, if you're going to be copying the past and you're a decent musician, like, there's no real bad musicianship with some of these bands, why are you bothering to copy the works of other people? You can clearly play. You can perform. What's the point? Be your own beast. Be your own animal. What's the worst that's going to happen? You put effort in? I don't know. That's my rant on that. Uh, let me know what you think about this. Uh, tweet to me at Team Case at 15. Or hell, even on, even on the Metal Robot Twitter, uh, at the Metal Robot. Either one works personal, Metal Robot, whichever one works for you. Uh, 
just let me know what you think about this, because for me, this is something that I've wanted to talk about in in full for a while, but never really had the chance to. So I hope you at least heard me out. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that should be good. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Thanks for listening to MRP. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for more episodes in the future. And if you haven't done so already, check us out on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, and Instagram at The.MetalRobot. You can also check out everything we do on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. I'm Tom McKay, host of Metal Robot Reviews. I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night.